Hello, friends, and welcome once again to everybody's favorite therapy theme podcast. This is This Changes Everything. I'm Sarah, and with me, as always, is the guy who makes me feel more securely attached with each episode we do. It's Therapy Jeff. Hello, Therapy Jeff. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Oh, I'm doing real well. I'm doing real well because I have to talk about this. Mm. I didn't think I was going to, but I'm going to because I think we shouldn't be... We should, we should normalize it. Eli and I started couples therapy and it's so fun. Oh, nice. How many sessions are you in? Just one. Okay. <laughs> we have our second one in a couple days, but I had no idea what going to therapy with somebody you actually liked and there weren't any problems with would be like. It's a totally different experience. It is. It is. I do, am saying this like as a couples therapist. Love her. In fact, yeah. we like her so much that Eli was like, oh, I think I need a new individual therapist. Oh, because, she's that good. Yeah. He, he really realized that he was doing too much of the work or like not getting enough out of his individual right, right. therapist. You know how that goes. I so I was like, yes, she was perfect. But he and I both went in there with our goals written down. We went in there with like uh, uh, fears and expectations and all this stuff. We did it. And Eli asked me like, what? It, you know, when you're working with a couple, tell me what are so, what some of the behaviors, some of the things that that a good couple, like if you were like, yes, they are they they mm. get an A for couples therapy. Like, what <laughs> are they doing? What do you see from them? Good question, right? And so yeah. we both, went, and so I thought about it and, and answered that and said, you know, some goals, but more than just we want better communication. You know, kind of like using that smart goal model that we talked mm-hmm. about last week, and. I am like so excited for therapy and it's great. I love that. Now, so, you know, you're a therapist and you'll be talking to this other therapist. You and the couples counselor can like gang up on Eli um, and make him feel like less than and not good enough or smart enough. And I encourage you to do that. It's about... (laughs) Winning therapy, winning, winning couples therapy. counseling, yeah, is very important. Listen, mm-hmm. in the past, I totally would have done that every, <laughs> like, like, oh, every day of the week, twice on Sunday. But <laughs> the thing that makes me more sad than anything is sad Eli. So I oh. don't. It's oh, I don't ever want that guy to be sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't ever want to, you know, uh, uh, team up on him or make him feel bad. Mm-hmm. The thing that we are going for is mm-hmm. really you know, right in line with, with what we will be talking about today. And that is relationship attachment styles. And what happens when you are in a couple or a partnership where there's a different attachment style, or at least an attachment style that maybe, uh, makes certain parts of a relationship more challenging. (laughs) And, you know, Eli is one of those people that, gosh darn, don't we hate him, came from such a secure attachment (sighs) that he has a difficult time understanding some struggles that I may have in not trusting the people who I love the most, which Mm -hmm. pops up and rears its ugly head whenever tension is high and, you know, Sarah's... Uh, wise mind is far, far away. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, it's great, and and I just can't wait to like keep you guys updated on mm-hmm. on how couples therapy is going. Yeah, I went to couples therapy for a year and a half in the middle of my marriage, and it was really, really good. The the one of the really cool things about it, which I guess is cool, maybe about any therapy experience, but in couples counseling. Uh, if you go long-term, me and my ex-wife went for like a year and a half, almost two years. And after that, like after a year in, you kind of like look back on your progress and you're just like, oh my God, the way that we talk to each other, relate to each other, understand each other. And we had a really great couples counselor, but it was also just about having a weekly space yeah. to go to where like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have like a check-in and try to understand each other and be more compassionate. And it really... It really boosts everything. So I'm excited for your journey. Oh, thanks. You know, one of the things that's like so, I, this is one of those, uh, uh, you know, I, I say with regards to therapy, like you can't tickle yourself. Like you can't mm. do it to yourself. Like you can't, no matter how therapists always need a therapist, you always need somebody else to tell you these things. And then all of a sudden it's like, ah, oh, duh, I knew that. Mm-hmm. She said, re- gave us a good reminder that, remember, it's not you guys against each other 
it's you guys against the problem. And mm-hmm. so now it's like the problem of that terrible, you know, attachment issues that I had growing up or like what I didn't get growing up. It's the problem of this. Mm-hmm. And it, it, just saying it like that and imagining that Eli is looking at the problem over there, like across the table from us, makes me all of a sudden feel like I'm not the problem. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, that yeah. sometimes is is a thing that's hard mm-hmm. to remember when yeah. your self-esteem, you know, in, in those course, moments yeah. of, of mm-hmm. trying yeah. times. So, yeah. Yeah, I love it. I can't wait for you to continue to update us on all your couples counseling it's shenanigans. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, enough about me. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Well, I'm okay. I was telling you off mic before uh, that I feel just like a little burnt out on stuff, which makes mm. it so that like I have very little tolerance for bullshit when I'm feeling burnt yeah. out. And um and, and and so I have to be very mindful of that. And even though I want to be reactive sometimes to people, I uh, don't be. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. You got to like get the tank a little bit higher, you know, yeah. before you're able to to like hit that threshold of being able to put up with people's yes, you know, bullshit. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I'm kind of. Managing that a little bit, which is very annoying. Uh, but other than like that, I feel like overall I'm good. I've had my dog. I co-parent my dog. I've had him. He's back there looking like a cutie. Oh, like he's, the cutest. He's very cute. But he, when you're feeling like burnt out, it's hard to take care of anything else besides you. So he yeah. likes to go on very long walks, which is fine as long as it's not raining. But unfortunately we live in Portland, Oregon. Right. So we're both getting soaked over here. Um, yeah. But I don't want to, I don't want to complain about things. I'm great. <laughs> well, you don't, we can find a middle ground. We don't have to necessarily complain, but I'm we kind okay. of accept where yeah. things are. Right. And, you know, maybe this is kind of like uh, uh, I often hear this right before the holidays where people kind of get to this feeling of, you know, we've got Thanksgiving mm-hmm. coming up, all the hall, everything, Ugh. where it's just like, we're just waiting for that week when we can start to say, you know what, let's circle back on this after the holidays. <laughs> right. And we're so close. So you're right there, so close, right there. So we're just going to like yeah. we're get gonna through and, you know, yeah. talk about. Other people's problems for a bit. Exactly. Yeah. We'll have a lot more to say about holiday stuff next week uh, when we do a holiday episode. But before we get into this one, we'd like to let all of our listeners know that if you'd like to be featured on the podcast, please call... Gunther and Rice at 313-338-8828 and leave us a voicemail. Uh, and we want your voicemails to be you know, uh, connected to the topics that we're going to talk about in the future. So here's some future things that we're probably going to talk about. Um, we're going to talk about this. We're going to create an episode around the survival guide to toxic personalities. Yes. Uh, We're going to identify and disarm the dreaded narcissist. We're going to break down TV's most memorable mental health moments. Uh, So if you have any questions regarding that, please feel free to call us at 313-338-8828 and leave us a voicemail. I love it. Sounds like we're like attorneys at law, but we're like therapists at help. (laughs) Therapists at, (laughs) I don't know. Therapists at Therapists at podcast. (laughs) At podcast. That's it. Yes. Oh, I can't wait. So call in. We're going to get to all of those. I mean, I know you guys have questions on toxic personalities and narcissists and stuff like that. That's like the number one question I get asked. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Okay. So we, like we mentioned before, we are talking today about attachment styles. This is an episode that you guys loved that we did in the very, very beginning when we first started. And there's like always so much more to talk about on this topic. So let's dive right in and talk about relationship attachment styles, a little bit about how they came to be and how they may present themselves in romantic and interpersonal relationships. Let's do it. Yeah. uh, Attachment styles, they are on trend. They've been on trend for a long time. Um, I feel like there was, you know, that book Attached? um, Yes. Where that book became super popular and then 
attachment styles became like uh became popular because of that it felt like and also just sort of like TikTok and Instagram like yeah. therapists are talking more about attachment styles it's what people like to it it feel it's it, attachment styles are a real psychological thing but they it totally. sometimes feels like they act as like horoscopes or like the new astrology or something, or it's just like, Oh, I identify with this and this is so me. And while there can be like a lot of validation and understanding your attachment style, sometimes it kind of like we wear it as an identity um, and we get trapped in our own little attachment style or we vilify other attachment styles. So we'll kind of get into that. Um, So it's good, but maybe let's not get like, too like uh hijacked by it and only see things through that lens you know what i mean absolutely i think this is something that that uh often gets used as a a way to avoid taking accountability a label or a a diagnosis or a whatever Mm -hmm. it may be even a horoscope i don't care is a way to maybe like explain some behavior, but it's not an excuse to stay fixed in that behavior forever. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. because I think I'm a, per- I, I would like to say, uh, my new couples therapist <laughs> said that I should give myself a pat on the back for doing such a good job in trying to, uh, uh, you know, work on the, attachment issues that I have and try to develop more of a secure attachment and even like want to address these things because just Mm -hmm. that is like, you can, you can be a person who's maybe default attachment was anxious, avoidant, avoidant, whatever, disorganized, Mm -hmm. but you don't have to be, stay that way. It doesn't have to be like that forever. You don't. Well, today we're talking about different attachment styles being securely attached. And I'll tell you something else that will make you feel very secure. That's securing your family's financial future. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, do you remember those commercials that used to come on, those like life insurance commercials as a kid? And we just sort of like ignored them because they were yeah. getting in the way of the show we were watching. But now we're all adults and many of us have children. Uh, and it's the responsible, secure thing to do. Uh, to get affordable term life insurance policy. And you can get it in less than 10 minutes from yeah. Fabric. You can go from start to covered very quickly with no health exam required. I think this is one of those things that people don't think about. And it's yeah. one of those things that you need to think about because uh, when it's too late is not the time to be doing <laughs> this. So protect yourself for the future. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get high quality and surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in, like you said, less than 10 minutes. Easy breezy. Yeah. They have over 1,700 five-star reviews. They're rated as excellent on Trustpilot. This is a no-brainer. So join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash TCE. That's meetfabric.com slash TCE. I'm going to spell it for you. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash TCE policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states, prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right. So real quick, the four attachment styles are an anxious attachment style, an avoidant attachment style, a secure attachment style, and a disorganized attachment style. The disorganized attachment style can sometimes be called the anxious avoidant one or fearful avoidant attachment style. I like to call it disorganized, but it usually has Mm -hmm. like lots of anxious and avoidant parts. So an anxious attachment style is somebody is, is is exactly what it sounds like. It's somebody who might feel like they, they, they're more insecure. They feel more needy. They want more reassurance, more validation. They fear that the relationship might end. They're worried about the breakup. They um, don't feel like stable and safe in a relationship. So they want to like have lots of, uh, talks usually their emotional intelligence is pretty high because like they are what a therapist might say is like really hyper vigilant right they're always uh-huh. like on the lookout for 
how they should feel about the relationship and they can tell if your facial expression is a little different. They can tell if your energy is just kind of like a little off. They're always focusing, maybe scanning at least in the back of their mind for what could go wrong. Ooh, anxious. Um, <laughs> they like to be really close. They like to do cuddles. They're usually pretty good at sex. Okay. Um, the other one is avoidant. Yeah, high empathy, I would imagine. You like with oh this. my God. They have so much so empathy. Yeah. Too much empathy yeah. usually. Too much. It's in the way of things. Too strong yeah. of a muscle that there. Uh-huh. And then there's the avoidantly attached uh, who might not have the highest emotional intelligence, who doesn't usually like to process a lot of things, who isn't scanning for reasons why the relationship might, might end. They're just sort of like in it. They're not typically the glue. Like usually an anxiously attached person is the glue of a relationship. Avoidance don't bring that glue. A lot of times they want a little more space. They want time to process. They want to kind of like talk about it tomorrow. Uh, They might not be like very effusive or good at showing their love. Um, They do. The thing is, though, is that like avoidance do want to be in a relationship just as much as an anxious or anyone else, even if it doesn't look like it. (laughs) Uh, They might get really overwhelmed and not know what to say. But inside of them, they want to know what to say in order to, like, connect in a very emotionally intimate way. And then there is the securely attached. These are the folks that we all hate because we wish we were them. Oh, man. Um, Right? So they can show up to a relationship and they can be emotionally honest and vulnerable and intimate. They also know how to have boundaries and uh, limits, they know how to show up and ask for space when they need it. So they typically are a pretty balanced person in a relationship. They're caring, they're sensitive, they're understanding, they value their independence and also the relationship, right? Um, so that's more of like a stable, secure attachment. And then there's the disorganized attachment style, which is sort of best of anxious and attachment, anxious oh. and avoidant worlds, where it's like they they want they when they're in a relationship and they're feeling attached all of a sudden they're kind of like anxious like oh give me some uh, validation and and reassurance and i'm scared that this is going to end oh no and then they're attached for a certain amount of time and then all of a sudden they pull away cuz they're just like whoa i don't trust this usually right. these like disorganized attachment styles come from trauma like this is pretty- me <laughs> pretty severe trauma, trauma with a capital T trauma, yeah. where they 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 just you know when they grew up they didn't trust their primary attachment figures or the people that were closest to them. They wanted to because we want to trust our primary attachment figures in order to survive as babies. We would die if we didn't trust. But like, but we've been hurt or we've been abused or uh, assaulted or something. And, and because of that, we, there's a part of us that like doesn't actually trust them. So we want to, and then we don't, and then we want to. It's a bit of a roller coaster sometimes. So I and just sort of steamroll you, like, Sarah. But yeah, yeah, no, I love it. It's like, that is such okay. a good explanation. And just like, yes, yes, ugh, yes. Ugh. Like <laughs> that is it. It is so difficult that, you know, the, the desire to... I think that the th- that's the thing that can be very confusing for people who have a different attachment style, especially secure attachment, is that it is so counterintuitive to what they want, need, feel good about mm-hmm. that you you don't think – the idea that I need the kind of reassurance that I do sounds crazy to Eli. Like, no, mm-hmm. you don't understand. I – think you're probably just going to go away and disappear just like everybody else always done. And you can't tell me that you're not going to do that because so far everybody's proven to me that that mm. is true. And so what, you're going to be the one that hasn't? I, Little girl Sarah, little 10-year-old, 7-year-old, all that does not believe you. So the only way that she knows how to protect herself is fine, I'll do it on my own. I'll be like super tough and like put up this like pin cushion like mm-hmm. What are those little cute little porcupine? Like a porcu- yes, I become a porcupine when I worry that the person I love the most is going to leave when there has been zero sign mm-hmm. that anything has happened or changed to make me think that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're just, you're protecting yourself 
Right. You don't want to get hurt. Like you said, you've experienced all of these people that have left you or have hurt you in the past and you have the receipts to show, you know? Yeah. So of course you're going to base your attachment style on all the things that you've experienced. And so if, if, if you're someone who's more anxiously attached, then you have likely experienced some childhood events that have caused you to be this way, yeah. uh, where you just can't quite trust that you're going to get the love and the care and the attention that you deserve. You get it sometimes. And uh, sometimes, like, for example, you might grow up with a parent who's an addict uh, mm-hmm. or an alcoholic or something where they're not like drinking all the time. And when they're sober, they're very loving and caring. But when they're not sober or, or even had just one or two drinks, you learn to read that body language because you're like, oh, something's off. I'm not going to yeah. get my needs met. This is weird. Uh, and so you're, you develop an anxious attachment style because you didn't get consistent parenting. I do want to say though, that like, I I usually get pushback or shit for this online when I say, like, you got an attachment style based on your childhood. You also are born a certain way. Okay, (laughs) this is the questions that I I had next. Your your genetics and DNA, you know, one of the things that we're born with is our temperament. Um, And so sometimes we're like easy to warm up, slow to warm up, safe, secure, whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's just sort of like day one, we're alive. As soon as my brother was born, my mom was like, this one is going to take some comfort, different kind of comforting. (laughs) This one does not soothe in the same way the other ones do. Yes, exactly. So, so there's that too. It's not just childhood stuff. And if you're avoidant, you most likely grew up in an environment where, you learned that your emotional needs were not going to be met most of the time or any of the time possibly. And so you're just like, okay, I'm going to shut off everything emotionally and I'm going to take care of myself by kind of like tuning out, um, doing my own thing, not counting on uh, parents or caregivers. One of the interesting things is that um, this isn't true every single time, but when I ask a new client that comes in to tell me about their childhood and they say, actually, I don't remember anything from my childhood, uh-huh. chances are you're avoidant. Yeah. Uh, you have an avoidant attachment style because you learned that you had to just sort of tune out. Mm-hmm. And when you tune out, you don't remember things. And all of a sudden you grow up as an adult. There's not much there. Uh, you don't have much of a – your avoidant your attachment style is mostly avoidant. So. Oh, yeah. It's it's a way to survive. We understand this. And um, we don't want to like vilify avoidantly attached people, even though it's really easy to do that because they're the ones that are like not able to show up to the relationship emotionally sometimes. But if you uh, look you know at, I mean? at the bottom line of everybody wanting the same thing, which is connection and love and validation and and security, then you can see that with – uh, I don't know, through like a different lens, you could see that as what it is, which is mm-hmm. just somebody who, who doesn't know how to say, I need you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that to me is like, oh, that's <sighs> sad. Okay. Well, let's take a quick time out and talk about one of my favorite sponsors. It is gift giving season. And I love giving gifts. That is my what do they call it? Love language. Yes. Mm-hmm. I am like a gift giver and I love receiving gifts, but some people are super, super hard to shop for. And I have the place to go to where you can get something for no joke. Every single person on your list. It's uncommon goods. Have you heard of uncommon goods before? I actually haven't. This is, I'm just now learning about uncommon goods. I went on the website to look through their products. It is out of this world. Every single thing, like the most fun stuff when you're like ever at my house and you come over and you're like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Where'd you get that? The answer is always going to be uncommon goods. These are products that are high quality, often from like local small artisans. Like you cannot find these anywhere else. One of my personal favorites, a ceramic berry bowl that you put in your fridge and it helps like you wash your berries with it, but it's also super cute. And it's like, crafty and stylish. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I actually got some really cute bowls for my dog for, uh, his food and his water. And it's really, the the reason I like uncommon goods is because it's just like, it's not some cliche, typical gift that you're, that everyone's going to get everyone. 
Uh, so to get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash TCE. That is uncommongoods.com slash TCE for 15% off. Do not miss out on this limited time offered. Uncommon goods, we're all out of the ordinary. You know, I have a question about, uh, like you said, like uh, parenting styles and what a child received. Are there, you know, we talked a little bit about certain behaviors and certain kind of parenting that will likely result in these kind of attachment styles. But can you see different attachment styles with uh, uh, the same parents, like across, you know, from different siblings? Yeah, you can. And and part of that has to do with like what you just mentioned with your brother. Like you come into this world differently and need different type of care, right? So for example, for... Um, like hug me, never put me down ever and don't ever leave my side. My brother's right. like, get away. <laughs> yes. Uh, my my sister is like a very performative, like I want to be in the spotlight. I'm going to like put on a lot of skits and I need everyone to clap for me. And my parents are very good at doing that. And for me, I just wanted people to be quiet and be next to me <laughs> and play Legos or play video games and not talk very much. I just sort of like wanted your presence there. And oh. if a parent is good at like being an audience member and clapping for their child, but they're not very good at like that. Like I'm just going to get down on the floor with you and be sweet and cute and silent and build things with you. Now, all of a sudden I'm not getting my needs met, but my sister is getting her needs needs met. And now we're developing different attachment styles. And I can definitely see a little kid brain watching a parent connecting just because Mm -hmm. of similar attachment styles or similar personality Mm -hmm. traits and picking that up, internalizing that as rejection from yeah. that parent, which would only further, um, you know, kind uh-huh. of like solidify that exactly. attachment style. And a lot yeah. of times, like if you have multiple kids, multiple siblings, your parent is going to like, there's going to be personality style matches where it just so happens that the daughter and the father have very similar personality styles. And so there's going to be a real secure attachment there, but then the father doesn't have similar personality with like the, the, the other kids or something. And so it's also kind of like uh, luck of the draw that yeah. whether your personality develops one way or the other, and if they uh, connect with a parent. Uh, so, so yeah, there's, and it, it's, and also, uh, you know, I grew up with a big sister in the house that had a really different energy. My sister grew up with a little annoying brother in the house that had a very different energy for her. So we had very different environments, even though we all we grew up in the same setting. You know what I mean? Yes. And it's going to affect our attachments now. Yes, that is so funny. I I I got together with somebody who might as well be a youngest child. He's like second to youngest of five. And man, it's little brother energy sometimes. I'm like, stop doing that. You're like a little brother. That's my candy. Ask before you take a bite. Yeah. I really yeah. am. Like, and I'm like a big sister. I have to stop that. <laughs> yeah, that comes up. There, there's also, you might be wondering like, what does a parent need to do in order to create a secure attachment yes. style? Uh, the parents that are thinking about that and are worried about that and are thoughtful about like, how do I create a secure attachment style? You're already doing You're it. You're already good. I, You're good. I, isn't that funny? I'd say to any parent who, who goes, I don't know if I'm a good mom. I go, oh, you worry about that? You're doing, you're great. Already yes. ahead of, of, because uh, it's yes. usually the ones who are like, I have nothing to change. I am perfect. Where I'm like, can't wait to see your kids in therapy in however uh-huh. many years. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. all the parents that are like, I think listening and validating and creating space for the emotion that you see from your child, not assuming you know their emotions or not dictating or not allowing your emotions to spill over and then make them responsible for them or then, you know, change Mm -hmm. their emotions being uh, everybody regulating their own emotions and then, you know, creating that space for kids to have an experience their own. It, it is what does it is. Yeah, exactly. Like you're just, you're good. Oh, you're sad. Yeah. 
it's it's sometimes we're sad. Mm-hmm. I'll give it, you something to be sad about or any of those. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. Most of it is about validating your kid's emotional experience, holding space for it, yeah. being interested in it. A lot of times kids don't know how to express their emotions verbally. Uh, so the parent needs to be like, oh, it looks like you are angry. It looks like you're frustrated. Tell me more about that. I get that's why you're acting this way. We're just like educating them, almost like doing psychoeducation. This is the feeling that you're feeling and it's okay that you're feeling that way. Let's go ahead and feel it. How can we start feeling something else? You know, I'm here for you on this journey. Sort of, I'm just curious, you know, um, I was a nanny for, uh, uh, two little boys and their mom had a faces magnet, like this magnet that was on the refrigerator that had all the different expressions. Mm -hmm. And then it had another little picture frame Mm-hmm. over it that you can move. Mm-hmm. And I think that is such a great way to introduce emotions and talk about, you know, uh, so much of even what I do with adults is, is labeling different emotions. Like, is this nervous or is it excited? Is this, I'm, I hate this or it makes me uncomfortable. Like what is the mm-hmm. the feeling? And when we're able to really like identify and label our feelings, then we can manage them. And we can say like, I know how to deal with that emotion. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel so overwhelming then. Oh, I'm just feeling a lot. Like, I don't know how to deal with a lot, but I don't, I do know how to deal with, you know, disappointment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or do I? I don't know. Does anybody? Uh, <laughs> well, like, you have a better chance. Yeah, yeah, you have a better chance. You can go to the a la carte menu. And that's kind of what I talked to clients about. I was like creating with each emotion, this like a la carte menu of uh, mm-hmm. uh, what what can we order? What can we do to, to, to satisfy yeah. this like feeling exactly. in the moment, tend mm-hmm. to this feeling in the moment? Yeah. A lot of questions I get when I talk about attachment styles is how can I tell <laughs> if my new date or if my partner has a specific attachment style? Yes. Um, and there's it's tricky because a lot of times when you're just starting out dating somebody, you're kind of on your best behavior, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's the honeymoon period. You're falling in love. There's uh, You both want to spend a ton of time together. The... The red flags might be there, but you're not focusing on them. It's like the mutual positive projection stage, right? So you're not like showing all the different sides. You might not be feeling super insecure in the relationship, and it's all very novel and exciting. But you can sometimes get a little peek into what their attachment style is when things go sideways or plans don't work out or there's a miscommunication. Um So there's always going to be some sort of like little miscommunication at the beginning. Do they, how do they respond to the slight miscommunication? Are they just sort of there and curious and interested? Like, oh, I I don't think we got each other. What's going on? That might be more of a secure way to respond. Um, If they're anxious, obviously they're going to be like, oh no, what's going on? I can't, uh, do you hate me? Are we done? Like, is this it? (laughs) Where they're just sort of like overwhelming and flood you with questions, right? A more avoidantly attached person just might be like, uh, and do that sort of like Homer Simpson into the... (laughs) Right, into the bushes, (laughs) just fade away or like don't uh talk about it. Or don't talk about it. I mean, I was in a relationship with somebody for like a, a year plus more than that, like two years, the whole pandemic. Where I was like, I thought we were good. Really? He was just totally avoidant and like conflict avoidant, mm-hmm. didn't talk about anything like, and then just fades away, disappears. <laughs> like, oh my God. Cause it's like, get to the point of like, that's as, as lo- right. much as he could take of, of not talking about it before he had to take action. Okay, well, we love answering all of your questions, but we know some questions are super personal and maybe they're even embarrassing to talk about and you want to do it like safely from the comfort of your own home. We have a wonderful, wonderful sponsor to share with you. It's called Beducated. And this is like your online how-to course guide, classes, you know, 101, you name it, on everything sexual under the sun. Do you want to know about kink and BDSM? They have a course on that. Do you want to know about libido and desire or pleasing a vulva or pleasing a penis or uh, even erotic dancing? There are courses led by like 
professional instructors. This is like shame-free, educational, and safe. Hundreds of courses on sex and relationships led by the world's top experts. I love it. I love it too. There's so many videos that you get to watch of actual people doing the sexy things with like lots of different types of people and diverse bodies, naked bodies. You get to see all the parts so that it's so that you just like get the exact info that you want. Uh, If you want to learn about like how, what you should do if someone's sitting on your face or how to do butt stuff, it's all there. Right, Sarah? That's right. I love it. Mm-hmm. So if you actually go there today, you can get 60% off a yearly pass with our coupon code, which is everything. So go to our show notes and click the link that is in the show notes, and that'll take you exactly where you need to go to enter that coupon code, everything. You can try all the educated courses for one day for free, and you won't get charged for the first 24 hours. You can cancel at any time. I was even thinking before our coupon code, what a great mm-hmm. deal this was. Ugh, I know. Because it's like cheaper than a therapy session for the entire year. (laughs) Exactly. It's no risk with the 14-day money-back guarantee. You get to invest in your love life and join Beducated now for just $6.66 per month. And you can get access to a vast variety of 100-plus online courses from the world's top experts. By the way, you can also gift your loved ones a personalized educated gift card, which we encourage you to do. Yeah. They're not getting the hint. Just give them the gift card. Yeah, exactly. You're going to have so much fun when you do this. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes these things are hard to see in the beginning. I think there are questions you can ask about how their family, maybe to get a peek at, at, the attachment styles that they had growing up. And then you can also ask questions to see how they've addressed those in their adult life so that we're, we're, you know, avoiding maybe a codependent relationship or a trauma bonding relationship or something like that. But asking questions about, uh, you know, what happened when you got in trouble when you were little or how did your parents like, uh, uh, make you feel better when you, you were sad. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. did your parents respond when you had a bad day or when you, people can usually remember a like a yeah. moment where they had that like freak out, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, for me, it was exactly. not getting invited to somebody's birthday party and I had a full blown <sighs> meltdown Oh, and it was like, <laughs> why are you sad? I don't understand. Feel different. <gasps> Now I have to be huge and emotional and big emotional displays to make sure everybody knows how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. There's also, you can also just ask your new partner, <laughs> like, what is your attachment style? They most likely know since it's like very on trend to know your attachment style. If they don't know, you can go to that website, the attached book website. They have yeah. like a, a little quiz there that you can take to figure out what your attachment style is. I'm not, I, I like the attached book. There are some things I don't like about the attached book. I would book. agree. Uh, yeah. So uh, go ahead. What are yours? <laughs> I don't like, they don't talk about disorganized attachment style mm-hmm. enough, which I get because a very small percentage, uh, like between but like, three come and on. 5%, but still we care about those people. Yeah. So they, and it's Kinda also very time interesting like that's maybe the most interesting attachment style but they they go they don't go into it at all almost and they also have uh they they don't it seems like they're they're like their advice is if you're an anxious attachment style avoid the avoidance like those relationships just don't work out they don't have like really good practical tips none and it's like here's the label have fun being the person the end So I I feel like there needs to be a part two of like what the attachment styles out there Mm -hmm. in the world and how to change and grow and da, 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 da. Right. They also sort of look at it from what I gathered when I read the book, they look at it as very static that we don't go up and down on the spectrum. And I've experienced personally and with my clients that you can be anxious in one relationship, avoidant in the next, more secure, feeling disorganized sometimes. Totally. And it also depends on how you're developing and growing as a person throughout life. If you're working on yourself or if you're not, you know what I mean? So a, a big question I got 
is what steps can I take to develop a more secure relationship style? Do you, what are your thoughts? Do first of all, Sarah, do you think yes. you can be secure yeah. if you're anxious or avoidant or disorganized? I, I think you can be secure, but in the same way. Uh, so there's this really great book called, I think it's called the power of habit. I can never remember who wrote it, but it talks about the science of developing a habit and how oh, right. you could think of it as we have this like base blueprint, like whatever the first messaging, whatever the, the first blueprint that was formed is there. You can build another model on top of that, but in the same way, like I should say when stress is high, when um, there are a lot of external variables and and different mm-hmm. things like on weighing on the person, the brain takes shortcuts and goes to the default blueprint. So if you are doing all the other things to support you living in this new you know, I kind of think of it as like an update on like a computer, like an update. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then like having like echoes of like the old, or like little glitches of like the old programming still like in there. I don't know how computers work. So, you know, I very <laughs> loosey goosey with works, the metaphor, yeah. you know, in this matrix in my mind. So I, I think when, when you are doing all the things, like when I'm getting good sleep, when I'm taking care of myself and going to therapy, when I'm, um, uh, you know, focusing on healthy social relationships and getting good physical exercise and taking time to be out in nature. Oh yeah, we can run in the new programming and we are good. But if I'm not having those other, not checking those other boxes, default blueprint, right. default programming comes up and that's this, that is exactly what brings me to therapy to talk about, you know, those things that come up there and, and how to respond to those, how to recognize when they're happening. Because often, you know, especially with old triggers and, and things that are never really going to go away, you know, when I'm like half asleep and somebody touches my foot, I'm always going to have a, a strong reaction. Mm-hmm like a trauma response. And, you know, depending on how my partner reacts to me in those moments, it can, the come down from that where my, we're balancing like the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system can take 15 minutes or bad reaction. It can take six hours because now I'm like totally triggered. And so those kind of things I think are what, um, you know, a person can do to, uh, maybe not change their default system, but create a new one and, and kind of live yeah. more in the new programming. Mm-hmm. That was also long winded and steamrolled <laughs> answer. But. I, it's a good metaphor. I, uh, I totally 100% give my stamp of approval to that. And you can also think about it in sort of like a brain science way that we have these neural pathways right? that were laid down a long time ago that have helped to create our attachment styles. But as adults, we can create new neural pathways yeah. that are are going to run most of the time. But in very high stress situations, we're going to default back onto those old, very ingrained neural pathways. So, yeah. yes. I had a moment that so perfectly illustrated this. I'll never forget. Mm. And I was like, wow, this lesson couldn't have come at a better time where I'm putting all the pieces together. And maybe you guys listening have had a similar experience that will like totally you know, connect the dots and illustrate this for you, or trust me, you will in the future. Uh, I was coming home from working in the clinic when I was in grad school. We used to take sessions, like the last session would be at 10 PM. It's insane that we would go till 11 o'clock at night and I'm leaving and driving home after being in school. It's insane. The work I was doing. So I'm like half a, a, a human at this point, my brain is mush and I'm driving home just on autopilot. I drove to a house that I did not live at for two houses ago. I drove to Long oh. Beach. I lived in Orange County. Whoa. I drove to my old house because I was on autopilot. 
two houses ago. Like it wasn't even the last one I lived in. It was the one before that, the one that I lived in when I was an undergrad. So I think I just had it in my brain that I'm driving home from school, hopped on the same freeway and never got off, got to my front door, pulled up to the driveway and went, are you fucking kidding me? I don't even live here. (laughs) That is some very old neural pathway. Old, and I was like, there. wow, you were so thinking. I, I think I was just thinking about a, a case or I had some, it was some mm. big thing that was taking up a lot of, uh, clearly a lot of brain power, but it went to, I don't know what to do. Let's just, let's just run this program. And mm-hmm. so like, how often that made me think, how often is this happening? Where I'm just like, right. I don't know where it, my brain just took me to an old house. Like my brain could easily take me to in the same way. It takes me to an old relationship when my partner triggers something or does something that, that in my mind looks the same as like, Oh, that's the same freeway entrance. Oh, that's the same kind of behavior from, mm-hmm. you know, my ex-husband. I'm just going to go down this path and whoa, 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 different relationship, different everything. How did we get here? So, yeah, that was my little learning moment. Well, before we answer any other questions, let's take a quick time out to talk about something that is like helped me in so many ways. It's one of my favorite sponsors. It's Rocket Money, of course. This, like I said, it's gift giving season. And I can't be like giving gifts and keeping nothing in the bank account. So Rocket Money helps make sure that I'm not wasting money on subscriptions that I don't need or like bills that they're charging me too much for rocket money mm-hmm. will negotiate lower bills on my behalf. I freaking love them. Ugh, I love them too. I feel like there's so many companies out there that are so predatory trying to sneak yes. into my bank account and pull out these monthly subscription fees. And they're so good at it. And I have so many that I forget them all the time. So I need like my very best friend rocket money, <laughs> which is a personal finance app that finds and cancels all of my unwanted subscriptions. It monitors all my spending and helps me lower my bills all in one place. And with over 5 million users and counting, Rocket Money has helped save its customers an average of $720 a year. I think they've saved us more. So I know. Definitely. I did the math. It's definitely more that. I I, I'm, I got to be like one of their top, I don't yes, know, cases. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. So Sarah and I think that you should stop wasting money on things you don't use. You should cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash TCE. That's rocketmoney.com slash TCE, rocketmoney.com slash TCE. Yeah. Makes money fun. Okay. Back to the show. And the thing is, is that like, if you do go down an old neural pathway and you're feeling really anxious and insecure, and then your partner like reaffirms that you should feel anxious and insecure, now you're doubly stuck. In yep. it. And, and that's why the Anxious attachment cutie is going to magnetize the avoidant attached babe uh, because they they uh, affirm each other's narratives right. of what they of how they feel in a relationship. So the anxious person is going to be like, "I'm too much. I'm asking for too much," and the avoidant person is like, "I'm never enough." <laughs> and then they're going to go ahead and reaffirm those narratives because the avoidant is going to be like, see, like this anxious person is asking for so much and telling me that I'm not emotionally showing up, which is true. That is who I am and I'm broken because of it. And the avoidant is going to tell the anxious like, oh my God, calm the fuck down. You're asking for so much reassurance. What is wrong with you? Which is going to make you feel that even more. I'm I don't know if you can hear my dog. Yeah, but it's adorable. His... Everybody He's knows just... exactly what's going on. He's, He's just, just like himself. shaking out the energy. He's, He's like... a little anxiously attached to, and he doesn't. Yeah enjoy that i'm talking to you sarah so he's trying to <laughs> get my attention but he's sure. yeah so josh my dog is not very secure and uh, and one of the ways that josh is trying to become more secure and that yeah. i like encourage all of you to do as well is to accept your attachment style like yeah. where it is Yes. So if you are anxious, instead of being like having shame and feeling horrible and something wrong, I'm broken, I'm never going to – like if you can just accept it and have compassion for who you are because you were born this way slash you were treated you know, a very certain way in your childhood, uh, then all of a sudden there isn't like a bunch of shame and guilt Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm unlovable because of this. And you start to really understand how you can navigate it instead of just like feeling horrible about it. You know yeah. what I mean? 
And usually when I, when we're thinking of like, when we have that, that strong reaction, that attachment style, you know, default reaction. If I talk to clients and ask them like, how old do you think this reaction or this feeling or responses. There's usually an age that's around when they first felt those feelings. It's like young, it'll be like five, six, seven. So mm-hmm. when we're, when you can, that's what I think knowing your attachment style in that book attached really helps with. It helps to raise the awareness of who may be showing up right now. It's not like wise mind you that uh, can see the big picture. It's that little seven year old mm-hmm kid who's just like, this is the only way I know how to get my needs met. And I'm scared of what I may get or may not get here. And I'm doing the best I can. And if you can talk to that person and kind of separate that you from the wise mind you who wants the healthy relationship and wants the safety and security in our relationship, then you can like mm-hmm. bring the two together. Yeah. And- you can reparent your yes. inner child by yes. being very kind to the seven-year-old Sarah inside of you, right? Like if you saw your seven-year-old self, you would hug that cutie. Oh. You'd be like, it's okay. I'm here for you. Yes. Don't worry about it. You know, yes. like you wouldn't be like, you're fucking up my relationship. What the no. fuck is wrong with oh you? Oh my Get God. The fuck it, out of it, here. I, I, I'm like angry that you're even using that right? harsh tone with the imaginary <laughs> little kid. And also like sometimes people, I think people think or people don't know the many ways that you can use therapy, that therapy doesn't have to be like, I have this huge goal and I have to be in therapy for years, or I have to talk about parents stuff or da, 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 da. Sometimes a therapist can be super helpful for something like a guided meditation to talk to your inner child, that that is something I love doing with clients. If you're somebody who's like, I don't know how to do that. Freaking hit me up. I will. (laughs) I am always taking new clients and doing things like that. And like inner child work and doing a guided meditation where we are like reparenting that inner child. Oh, I love doing that. And that Mm -hmm. you could just like, it's like a custom guided meditation, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, exactly. I love that. I even wouldn't be opposed to recording that and like giving it to clients too, like a guided meditation for that. Cause that's useful to play over and over and over. Super useful. Yeah. Yeah. We can do it for ourselves. Oh, I'm getting so many ideas. Look at this. Yeah. (laughs) There's also a common question that I get asked is, okay, so first of all, why aren't there more securely attached people in the dating scene? Um, And the reason typically is because they like match up with a partner and stay with them for a long time. Uh, So they're, they're not going through breakups as often as someone who's like anxiously or avoidantly or disorganized attached. So if you do find one, grab onto them and do not let yeah. them go. That's <laughs> why I am. I am not letting this. Yeah. Woo, I got a good one. Yes. Um, so there's, there's that, but also um, what if you are anxious and you have shacked up with an avoidant, like, is there hope for you? You, so like we were sort of saying, or I, you know, when we were discussing before, like it, it could be that you two are uh, reaffirming your insecure uh, narratives that um, uh, there's something wrong with you. And then it's just going to kind of like reinforce it in the relationship. And, uh, or you can make it a or. healing relationship Yes, and be very understanding of where you're both coming from. Uh, one thing that works really well is if you're in one of those oppositely attached relationships uh, and, and things start to kind of like bubble up, it starts to get a little stressful, maybe an argument is about to come up. I would encourage you, if you're the anxious one with an avoidant person, you should like cut it off and be like, hey, you know what? Why don't you get a little space? Yes. (laughs) Like, go ahead and lean into their attachment style and be like, it seems like you might get overwhelmed really quickly. 
Go get some space before you're triggered yourself too. And if you're with an anxious person, be like, hey, it looks like you need to connect. I'm here for you right now. So understand each other's attachment styles and cater to them. Be like understanding and loving. You're going to also have to try to um, do something that feels uncomfortable to you. So if you're avoidant, it might be hard to have uh, intense, intimate, emotional conversation sometimes. Try. Just fucking try. You know, one of my favorite tricks for people like that is have Mm. a conversation on either side of the wall. Like leave the door open and one person's in one room, one person's in the other. Something Mm -hmm. about taking eye contact uh, and not feeling that pressure of another person right there. You guys just sit on, not the door shut, you got to hear, but you know (laughs) what I mean? Like with the Mm -hmm. wall between you, it is very helpful when you feel that pressure and like you're being attacked or Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. exactly and then you don't have if you're somebody who's maybe very reactive like me great for a podcast terrible for (laughs) a a argument where he's like what and i'm like i literally didn't say anything i just did big eyebrows Mm -hmm. (laughs) but i'm doing a lot my eyebrows are speaking volumes and i need those to calm down botox (laughs) has worn off and now we are too expressive so <laughs> sit on other sides of the wall. That's a good tip. That is a good tip. And if you can go into that relationship, understanding that you're going to be challenged to grow um, and and you and that you love your person, you love all the things about them and that it's not their fault that they have this specific attachment style mm-hmm. uh, and that you're going to figure out ways to communicate so that you can both feel heard and both feel more secure in the relationship. And also take Sarah's lead and maybe go to a couple's counselor. Yeah. You know, I, I, like I say, when the sun is shining, fix the roof. Do not go when it is in the middle of a storm. And that at that point, we're just like throwing a tarp over and hoping for the best. This is like, okay, the sun is shining. Let's really get in there. Let's do some work. Let's, and we have tools in one session. She like told Eli about how I may need a little more reassurance and how, especially with ADHD, where I feel like I'm always messing up or forgot to do this or forgot to do that. I'm so used to like thinking that, oh man, everything's my fault. It was amazing how powerful him just saying, I love you. I'm never going anywhere. Mm -hmm. Like just Mm -hmm. randomly throughout the week has Mm -hmm. been. And I was like, Mm -hmm. That's it. All you need, one little catchphrase, like one little line. And it's, I'm like, oh, like that little kid inside me that, that, you know, just all the things, all the feelings, like it feels so reassured and yes, yeah, yeah, not anxious or avoidant. (laughs) There's also um, anxious. So if we want to be a little gendered about it, because it gets gendered. Uh, more women are given the anxious attachment style sort of label yeah. and then more men are more avoided. And I think that that's happening for a lot of reasons, but like societal sort of like Hollywood and movies, I think there's, especially in the eighties and nineties when I grew up, there was, and it still happens today, but there's sort of this like, this like very, this man is on is doing his own thing. He doesn't need anybody, and that's what's attractive. He doesn't need to count on anyone or be emotional. If you're emotional, then you're um, you're unattractive, and nobody's going to want to be with you. So you should be an island. These yeah. are like the messages. It's sort of toxic masculinity, the patriarchy, right? Um, that influence yeah. men to be closed off. Right. And we think that that is an attractive thing to be. So it's not only our parents' childhood uh, in our DNA. It's society. It's it's capitalism, patriarchy, school, movies, yeah. right? Yeah. How how did this person solve their problems? They handled them themselves. The, the lone ranger. They're like, right. you know, it's like they... It's just a one person by themselves. How does a woman solve it? Oh, damsel in distress. I be really mm-hmm. dramatic and, uh, mm-hmm. oh, oh, you know, and then some <laughs> one of these lone rangers is going to come rescue me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There also is like that's changing. Uh, thank God, it, it's changing, and and that's good. There, there is some like resistance though as well. We're in kind of like this weird time where like things I think are trying to change for the better, and so that's good to see. Uh, yeah. Women also, just, girls learn to kind of like experience, express their emotions easier. Yes. 
for society for societal reasons and also brain reasons. It's just sort of like how we're set up. Boys aren't as good at expressing. And then that just sort of get re- gets reinforced through childhood. And I'm sorry. Anybody who wants to try to tell me that women are more dramatic than men has never tuned into ESPN. Uh, first, it's, uh, oh, Stephen A. Smith, you are very dramatic, sir. Oh, my God. That so dramatic. So, yeah. like, no difference to me between the women on Bravo and the men on yeah. ESPN first same, take. Same, 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 same. Yeah, just exactly. so we're clear. Yeah. Okay. Oh, we've talked a lot about attachment I know. Styles. We've, yeah. we've, we've, we've like probably gone over our time. I could talk about this all day. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm sure you guys have more questions. And if you have questions on attachment styles or anything else, remember you can hit us up. You can call the offices of Gunther and Rice. Uh, let me see. What's our phone number again? 313-338-8828. We're going to be talking in the future about survival guide to toxic personalities, identifying and disarming the dreaded narcissist, and uh, maybe some breaking down of TV's most memorable mental health moments. So if you guys have questions on these topics or want to call in and share, please do so. And do not forget to leave us a review. That is how... We know that you guys are listening and loving this. And I need the validation. Hello. I'm anxious and avoiding attachment over here. Validate, validate me. (laughs) And if you listen on Spotify, there's actually some really, there's pretty cool, like, interactive questions and polls for each episode. So we (gasps) encourage you to. I know, right? So go ahead and play around with that stuff on Spotify. I love it. And we'll see you next time. Okay. Bye.